Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate hey everyone before we get started i want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, <clears throat> really hope that's us, and access to our community discord and e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all of the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Check out the description box of this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com forward slash join. Come hang out with us. We love Blue Wire. You won't be disappointed. This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, Gemma, my host, Nick and Dan, and gentlemen, Buckle up, maybe unbuckle, start the dance in the aisle. We got the Liverpool match review, three points on the board. Looking forward to this one. But before we get into it, Dan, we we don't always have new guests, but when we do, it's it's a little extra exciting. Uh, how about you bring in our guest, kind of share what he's got going for him and why it's important that we have him on to share his wisdom? Well, I mean, look, if you've been around Wagon for a while, you'll you'll recognize it. Mm. If you have been listening to the wonderful Frank Kirby Fight Club to get even more content about the potentially best team on the planet right now, maybe a, qu- a question mark, maybe the answer, maybe it's just a period at the end. I don't know the Chelsea women's team, uh, but then also the recently launched and uh, very wonderful uh, Diaspora United pod that they've been doing as well. But uh, yeah, Andre is joining us and uh, we're super excited to have you here, man. Yeah, thank you guys for for having me on. This was very surprising, and and we're recording already. So I am. If I was surprised to get the invite, I'm surprised to be here right now. 
Well, look, you, you dropped some wonderful dissertations on Crystal Dunn, a uh, wonderful <laughs> yes. U.S. women's national team player, but then also a former Chelsea women's player as well. So, look, I her. mean, the, the, the credentials are there. So we just need to make sure that anyone is like, why is Andre in the pod? Like, there you go. All the answers are right there. We can just jump in and go at it. No, it'll be good. Andre, welcome officially to the podcast. Uh, um, we ain't got no history. It's a great place for podcasts, as we we once called that home before we were we did. Thanks, we Nick. Did. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you make enough nasty comments about DPZ, and, uh, you know, it just it, uh, it doesn't work out. Graham's okay. greatest mistake, question mark? Oh, we for sure. Know. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening, Graham, you empowered all of this now. This is your fault. <laughs> Man, we have dug all the way back to like literally like the beginning of, of We Ain't Got No History. So uh, anyways, links to uh, Andre and everything will be in the show description. <clears throat> I thank you, Jake, for that. Um, so anyways, guys, like I said, match review. Uh, Liverpool, it's a Thursday. Kind of feels weird. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, but since it's in midweek, we'll probably keep a little bit more brief, but we will touch on what impressed us most about how Tuchel set up to claim the win over Liverpool at Anfield, fifth loss in a row. What is going on? Um, and it's our first win at, at Anfield. This is depressing since November of 2014. Then we'll look at some unlikely heroes are emerging in this side, particularly one Danish prince. Yeah, <sighs> uh, and uh, anyways, we'll uh, talk about the women's team's stunning 10-player win over at letting the first leg of the Champions League draw. You want to know what was stunning? Spoiler, a freaking goalkeeper. You're damn right. But, damn, before we get into all that goody goodness, uh, we're going to start off with a little three-word match review time. Look, lots came in. People answered the call per usual at the uh, the trademarked uh, three-word match review uh, here, home of it, the London's Blue Podcast, uh, JW with the We Finish Them as a Mortal Kombat slash goals joke, Big Nash with the Loser Pool Walking Alone. Look, you, you have to go for something like that, you know, something wonderfully corny in this type of match where you win at Liverpool. Uh, Shoopy with the huge ducking results, uh Kay Gensler with the Why Not Us, uh, and they kind of caveated that for second place uh, so that Nick wouldn't get upset. Ernie with the Anfield Aura Annihilated. We love a little alliteration on this. Tweeds with the Regulators Mount Up. Mount in all caps. Uh, Pilo with Mount Two Fourth. Uh, Def <laughs> Jux Daddy with Dasa Bingo. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> Uh, Neil with the, uh, actually it looked like it was Hidukin, but he went with the Kamehameha with, uh, for the goal celebration. And then, uh, I'm going to help, uh, one of our listeners out, uh, Lovetron36, uh, with the taking uh, Agatha from WandaVision with the <laughs> wink, but it was edited to have the Liverpool jersey on it with the Anfield of Fortress. <laughs> yeah, look, this, this person clearly, listened to my excellent meme last week on on the show and has decided to try and uh, warm their way into the top spot. I love the meme, by the way. This is a fantastic... They put the Liverpool jersey on Agatha. Top notch. Well it's done. It's a good edit. There's even a shadow between the collar and her neck. Like, this is well done. It's a high quality... It, Way more than a Liverpool jersey deserves, but um, but well done. Well done to whoever uh, put that together so quickly. Okay, WandaVision, another show I apparently need not fall behind oh, society God. with. Um, Jesus. Anyways, uh, our own three-word match reviews, which are quickly falling 
well short of the standard set by our listeners. Uh, Dan, <laughs> your problem, your fault. So go ahead and start us off. Well, I, I realize I can't play in the pun space that Nick operates in. I'm, I just, I'm leaving it. I'm done with the pun space. I'm going to go back to where I, I actually yeah, can right. perform well. Yeah, he's doing a bait and switch. He's doing a bait and switch. He's always going to be there. I'm going back to pop culture. Going back to pop culture. That's where I excel. Uh, It's uh, Tuchel's Glorious Bastards. There was fight and bite in this team today that we have not seen. uh, Jorginho, J5, bodying people? Like, come on. This was a completely different Chelsea. You have to give them the Glorious Bastards call out. You know that was a mistake, right? Jorginho just didn't see the guy. That was totally intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, okay. I will say I think of of the of the options here. That's probably the best one. I I did rather Spoiler. rather walk alone. I the fact that and the reason I put this is like, look, I love I I actually prefer the fake crowd noise. If, if you're not gonna have people in the stadium, I'd I'd rather have the fake crowd noise personally. I know that's probably a minority uh, opinion, but the you don't have to play never walk alone every minute of the match. NBC, what are we doing? Like they don't sing it every minute of the match. What? I pandering. Oh my God. It, it just annoyed the absolute crap out of me. It was, it was distracting from what was going on. It was crazy. Anyway, the algorithm was broken. Obviously. Uh, I put, we doing this question mark. We, we doing this too cool. We actually going to go on a run. <laughs> we actually gonna do something this season. It seems this is a big result. Seems like he's got something cooking up in the kitchen. I'm interested if this is for real. Or if uh, this is just more Liverpool being bad than anything, so uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for something to happen. I hope it does. Andre, last but certainly not least, over to you. Oh no, I, you can make me least um, because it's not great. <laughs> I suck at headlines, and I just kind of write things. Uh, I let other people deal with the headlines. So um, with, with the time that I had, I just went with Tuchel Thames uh, Anfield, which you know, boring. Uh, I probably would just. Uh, scroll right past that so we can do that in the podcast and just keep it moving (laughs) wow uh a bit harsh uh we love the fact that uh you're again playing up whooping on liverpool at liverpool november 2014 the last time that is should be more shocking that's shocking too because we we used to compete there all the time we i mean we had a pretty good run at anfield for for the longest time and it's been it's been a pretty bad run against Liverpool as of late for Chelsea. So this was a it's a big one. Yeah, no, without a doubt. All right, real quick, we'll get into the gratitudes and housekeeping before we get into the meat of the pod. But look, massive growth on Patreon. Like kudos to Joe Ooh. Tweeds and his Kings Road newsletter and the mailbag he offers. The podcast coming soon. Um, but we've got Matt, Miles, Tony, Jair, and John all on the yearly subs. Tana, Michael upgrading. And then we have Frederick, Nikki, Chandler, Matthew, Alexi, Max, Brendan, Drew. I apologize if I missed you. I just sent on a bunch of leaks tonight. So if I missed you, uh, ping us and I'll get everything over to you. Dan, uh, you're sitting pretty too with a bunch of reviews for Apple Podcasts. Yeah, huge love to everybody dropping those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Cinna7881 from Hungary, which is wonderful. Logan, uh, J. Fisverger. Uh, JL Kofkizi and Nailed then uh, La Consulta, uh, all from the US, leaving some wonderful five star reviews. We appreciate the love. And uh, yeah, drop them and we'll get them on the next one if you uh, missed out. Not only, j- don't just drop them, make the most 
inconceivable name that you can. So Dan has to continue to trip over these week after week. <laughs> it is absolutely my favorite part of the show. Every time we get to them there, there was, there's been a couple of times where you guys have snuck in some sneaky, terrible names and Dan's read them and gone. Now nah, we need to cut that. We can't that we can't say that, but continue to do it. My sneaky friends, uh, housekeeping. Uh, there's a lot going on here actually this week. Uh, first, I uh, got a little update from our friends at blue wire on the merch side. Um, we are, our, our merch site is in progress. So they're finally getting that up and going, which we're really excited about, about like 90% of our items that we, that we've kind of drafted up with Bruce are going to be on that site. There's only a couple that, that won't be able to make it. Uh, so we're really pumped about that because we have some, some swag that we're going to start to start to drip out here, which we're excited about. Uh, and then it's, it, we're probably looking at it like a two week window for orders uh, to start. So hopefully Sooner rather than later, we finally get this done. I know it's been a long time coming. Don't yell at me. I'm trying. Okay. Uh, a really cool thing, Brandon, happening on Sunday. Uh, this is our first. It's Be kind. It's going to be our first run at Locker Room. Uh, you want to tell the people what's what's going on with Locker Room? Yeah, we absolutely can. Uh, so Locker Room is one of those brand new fancy apps that uh, is hitting the scenes. This one, it's like apps. Clubhouse. Ever heard of them? They're pretty cool. <laughs> it's like it's like Clubhouse, except it was like built by NBA guys. So it's supposed to be like very niched into sports. So they have a partnership with Blue Wire. They asked us to jump on, and we said we can absolutely do that. So it's a lot of what you're probably used to hearing about with Clubhouse. It's a group chat through audio, through your microphone, through the headphones. Um, it's like Discord again, except except audio. So if you want to jump in with that, we're going to be talking probably like post-Anfield, looking ahead to Everton, you know, Tuchel's time, just very general. Like I said, we just want to work out some of the kinks and things like that. The only thing we can promise you to be all Chelsea uh, chatter uh, with our group. So I think yeah. it's only on iOS. Sorry about that. We didn't design the app. Um, but we highly, highly suggest you come check it out. You can be there for five minutes, an hour, 10 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, super convenient. Yeah. If you haven't been on these before, this is like Kevin Durant's baby. Um, so hopefully this turns out to be pretty cool. Um, but usually you have, you have like a run of show or like topics that people are going to discuss. We'll call you in to talk about something, call you back out. People will jump in with different discuss. It's a lot more discussion based than what we do on the pod here, obviously. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, excited about that. And then finally, uh, Dan, when's our cutoff for this? We got to have a, a hard cutoff for the people. We got to give deadlines. Yeah, what, just what a, you know, Sunday. Let's, let's call it Sunday. Sunday. Uh, if by right. Sunday, they have not submitted their uh, wonderful uh, get well message for Paul Canneville, also known as Canners, to uh, all Chelsea faithful. Uh, we're just looking for ten to fifteen second uh, thank yous, get wells, uh, state your name, where you're from. Just your get well horizontal format so they all looks nice and pretty. Uh, and then just email it to contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. And we're going to get those stitched together and sent over to him. Uh, it was his birthday today as well. Um, so, you know, just uh, obviously he's still in our thoughts. He's out of, um, you know, the, the, the dark part of the woods. But we still want to make sure that, uh, you know, he continues uh, on the path to health and recovery there. It's his birthday today, too. So that's pretty rad. That. Yeah. Okay. Well, then. All right. Yeah, you can wish him birthday again, though, if you want. Gosh. No. All right. Well, then no happy birthday for me, I suppose. Whatever. <laughs> Shut down. Anyways. Rejected. Okay. Di Dictator Dan, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Uh, please get your videos in. We're excited to present this to him. Long story short, right? 
We gotta, we gotta cool. We gotta get Bruce to do some sort of cool edit. I'm, I'm excited. He's working on it that. for us. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be sick. All right. Well, here we go. It is match review time. It was Liverpool and the Premier League this past March fourth. It was a Thursday. The Fortress, formerly known as Anfield, was the host site. And the scoreline, in case you missed it, Liverpool nailed Chelsea one. You know we're going to go ahead and throw it over to the Fifth Stand app. But Chelsea's official app, they let us use the audio so you can hear back what happened in case you need a little refresher. And if you haven't downloaded it already, here is your request. Oh, please do. All right, over to you, Chelsea. Mason Mount delivers. He doesn't let us down. What a great finish. This is what we need to do. We'd like to play a bit more between the lines. Burnout. Shooting chance for Timo Werner. Reflection took it over the bar. It was a thump toward goal by the German. Chance for him. Good to see him taking shots on though. Jorginho. Scooped over the top. Looking for Ziyech. Jorginho had misjudged it. Ziyech across for James. There to be hit by Azpilicueta. Well, that would have been one for the scrapbook. Ziyech does really well here, doesn't he? Just about keeps the ball in play and just helps into the box blind. I think if he doesn't have a touch here, Aspilicueta, he's got a chance. Jorginho looking for Werner. Will the flag stay down this time? Werner, Allison came and didn't get there. Can Werner tap it in? Yes, yes he can! Get in. I think he's onside. I think Ziyech might have been offside, so he couldn't afford to touch the ball. And the pace of Werner has made the difference. Paul Tierney is the video assistant referee tonight. No goal. And a searching ball That's for Mount, a really oh. good one. Here. Against Fabinho, looking for room for a shot, Mason Mount. He's got it now! Yeah. He's driven it in! It's a brilliant goal! Nothing wrong with that one. Mason Mount with a beauty in front of the cop to give Chelsea the lead just before half-time. What a time to score and what a goal it is as well. Fabinho, to be honest, couldn't get across there, doesn't have the pace, leaves himself isolated one-on-one -on -one, and Mason Mount delivers. He doesn't let us down, what a great finish. Mount, lovely control. Managed to find Werner. The angle was tight and Allison made a good save. Just overhit the pass. Gives him a little bit too much to do, Werner. Chelsea win at Anfield. Thomas Tuchel gets one over on his old adversary, Jurgen Klopp. Final score at Anfield. Liverpool nil. Chelsea won. All right, gentlemen. Couple, what, two and a half minutes of highlights. We only had the one goal, so not a lot of stoppage time in this one. Uh, but Mason Mount, I love the tweet that I just hit the timeline. It said, Mason Mount loved that goal so much, he had three different celebrations in it. He did. He's been, <laughs> he's been, <laughs> you can tell he's been saving him up. It's like he has the get him on the punch card uh, so he can get his next one free. Uh, I do think, here's the fun thing. We did play on a Thursday, which is not typical of the Premier League. But no. are Thursdays going to be coming to Anfield soon is Ooh. the question. Ooh. I mean, if it ended right now, it would. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Hashtag Europa League. Hashtag fun. You know they'd love welcoming them. Europa League's Twitter account would be all over oh, the, it, <laughs> By the way, it might be the best troll account in, in all of, of football Twitter is the Europa League account. 
And by troll account, you mean a super serious business that trolls people. <laughs> They're like Wendy's but, of football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, That's pretty I'm, accurate and pretty hilarious. I love when they do it. Whenever, whenever they send out their welcomes, I'm like, that is, thank you. Manchester United, come on down. It's Honestly, like the price is right. Yeah. You're like, per, Automatic retweet from me. Personal favorite is the uh, annual Arsenal tweet. So, uh, Dan, go ahead and run us through the lineup. Yeah, Edouard Mendy between the sticks, uh, Rudiger, Christensen, Azpilicueta, your back three, Jorginho Conte, Chilwell, and Reese James make up that uh, midfield four. And then Timo Werner was flanked by Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech. Substitutes unused included Keparitha Balaga, uh, Marcus Alonso, Emerson, Kurt Zuma, Olivier Giroud, and Calum Hudson-Odoi, Christian Pulisic, Mateo Kovacic, and Kai Havertz all made appearances off the bench. And this is also the second time we've had two left backs on the bench and no Tammy Abraham who had an ankle issue. So wait, Chilwell's back? He's not back. I'm confused. Is he a starter? Is he okay? Well, we'll we'll unpack that. Thank you, Tuchel, for the confusion. <laughs> um speaking of birthdays, wasn't Met Edwa Mendy's and Rudiger's birthday this past week too? So yep. big, big week for birthdays. Um some of the top line stats, Chelsea with only 46% possession. We had 11 shots, five on target to Liverpool, seven shots with only one on target. Uh, look, they had more touches and passes than us, but we had more tackles and clearances, actually double the clearances. Uh, two corners there, five, four offsides for us there, one, which just meant we're trying, and one was bullshit thanks to VAR, and we conceded eight fouls there, nine. Uh, just real quick, at Kaylee underscore graphics, coming in with the XG Liverpool 0.3, Chelsea 1 says it's kind of funny. This could be any Tuchel era XG, but this time they did it by letting Liverpool have a lot of nothing possession, which is actually what teams did to us. So uh, it was great. It was yeah, awesome. Really, really interesting. Andre, sir, this is where I kind of give you multiple choice. You can touch on XG stats or lineup and just kind of give us an initial reaction. Yeah, I was actually pulled up that uh, that that XG number by Michael Cayley, um to to note it because I thought it was really hilarious <laughs> the way that he framed it because we really did concede a lot of possession and of course given Liverpool's you know form recently it's not a bad thing to do they're having a hard time finishing and with the the which is kind of weird I don't you know maybe this is just me showing my ignorance but I didn't necessarily think that Thomas Tuchel was like some defensive master I don't think of him as like Diego Simeone or anything like that but he has really tightened up the defense and I think in that XG number you really see like Liverpool had nothing I mean like you said one shot on target and then you look at the XG number and you think well that wasn't even a good shot so I loved it I thought that was an impressive performance and I do like that he's tightening up the defense before he does some other things uh, further up the pitch, which, you know, we can talk about later, uh, the effectiveness of those are what we would like to see. But, I mean, uh, to do that, I think, at Anfield, I don't care how bad they're in a slump. They love to break out against us. We love to give teams a reason to kind of break out of their slumps when we have a weird game. We didn't do that this time, and it was awesome to see. I, I will say, how much more dangerous do we look when we don't have to dominate the ball. Yeah. I I, th- I think part of part of the reason that today looks so good to me, Dan, is that one it was an even flow basically back and forth. It wasn't just us living in Liverpool's half and trying to create minute spaces in their back, you know, between their back line or whatever. <clears throat> Two, 
their back line is terrible right now, uh, all the way across. Robertson had a bad day. Alexander Arnold's been bad all year for the most part. And then Kabak's a joke. I mean, he's he's not going to make it very long in the Premier League. And then you actually, for the first time under, under Tuchel, had space to pass the ball in behind or over the top and unleash Timo Werner's actual best attribute, which is his speed. And... If not for a couple of unlucky things, it might have, you know, turned out to be a, a bigger victory. So I don't know what you think about that, Dan, but I was I was much more pleased with this than Manchester United. Well, it's it's shocking to me that Klopp continues to persist with the high line that they have after so many injuries and how depleted their defense is. You know, it, it, it it's almost managerial malpractice on his part. I mean, look, we were the beneficiaries of it today because, you know, Golo Kante was finding passing lanes. Mason Mount was finding passing lanes. Uh, Ziyech, when he was turned on, was finding passing lanes. Uh, when he turned off, he wasn't. Uh, Georgina was finding good passing lanes. I mean, we, we, you know, we were finding goodness all throughout this pitch. And you know what? Liverpool won the possession off. We won the game and they got the three points. So this was a great, just a great result. I, I, I Brandon, I, I know you want to take us to a break, but I I was jacked after this. I was buzzed. I was I I was on cloud nine for the rest of the day. I mean, I'm moving. I'm packing boxes. I'm like whistling. Uh, I don't know. It was great. Wait, what did you call it? Managerial malpractice. 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 I love that. <laughs> Trademarked. Copyrighted. <laughs> Dan Dorman owns right, that one. All right. Be on Twitter but, tomorrow. <laughs> if I see managerial malpractice anywhere, I'm coming after you tomorrow. Oh my god! All right, I, I do just like hope that. A, li- a lawyer in Liverpool serves Jurgen Klopp papers and and, <laughs> and tries to take it there. Like I just like let's let's see the choice. It's we're still in a pandemic. Why not? Let's make it. Weird. We gotta we gotta get one of those prank shows to do it for us. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm sure you could pay someone on Fiverr. I'm sure. So, anyways, let us go ahead and take the break. When we're back. Like I said, we're gonna talk about uh, Timo. We're gonna be talking about how bad Liverpool's XG is, which is hilarious. Mason Mount. Uh, Angola Conte, and so much more. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. Uh, We'll be right back. All right, so it would have been a more comfortable 90 minutes had Timo Shadow not been ruled offside, but Chelsea never really let Liverpool into this match. So, panel in front of me, what impressed you the most about how Tuchel's side nullified last year's Premier League champions and the previous year before that's Champions League champions? Um... Look, you know, Andre, I'm going to throw you another XG. This one's from at XG Philosophy. I feel like XG Philosophy and Kaylee Graphics just like going head to head. Yeah. Battling for market share. They're walking the 10 paces (laughs) and then turning back around and and focused. Without a doubt, because at XG Philosophy said, tonight was Liverpool's third lowest XG total in the Premier League under Jurgen Klopp. And again, it was 0.32. That is a rough night out for the team. Uh, Jurgen didn't have much to say really after the match. I listened to his post-match comments. He doesn't have a lot of answers, but it seems like Tuchel took away a lot of his options. Yeah, absolutely. It's and it, and it was kind of wild to see. You know, like we've seen, like I said before, you don't necessarily think of Thomas Tuchel as that you know defensive coach, but he's really organized things back there. And I, I admit, I gotta admit, I was a little nervous when all of a sudden it was like Andreas Christensen and we've got Rudiger back there. You know, we all remember how error-prone they've been, especially under Lampard. And obviously, there's a difference in coach, but you don't necessarily think that those players will be able to, like, suddenly be so composed and play their play a better style of what their game is and not make mistakes. But that's exactly what we saw. And, you know, part of it's Liverpool's just in a really bad run. 
But part of it is this was a really difficult Chelsea team to come up against because this is what Tuchel's been like focusing on. And so Liverpool really just ran into something that they were not going to be able to do anything with because they're in bad form. Chelsea's defense is in the best form that I've seen it in a long time. And Christensen's playing well. Rudiger's playing well. They had absolutely nothing to do. Shout out to Andreas Christensen, honestly. I was, <laughs> I did not see this coming. I don't know if I was the only one, but I did not see this coming from him. I was, I let like the Gladback Christensen go out of my mind. I just forgot about him. I was like, he's, he's gone. We're never going to get that player. But he's playing as good, I think, uh, so far. It's a limited sample size, but I'm really impressed so far. Narrator, he was not the only one. <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> we'll definitely talk about the defense. I, I special requested that one in the second question. Uh, but Nick, you know, a, you know, with Liverpool though, they, they beat Sheffield, which you'd expect to, right? Obviously they lost, lost the Merseyside Derby, but they still pumped Leipzig to nothing in the champions league. I think, you know, if you give them chances, they've beaten West Ham, like this team can obviously score. Their defense looks ravaged. The midfield doesn't look terrible, but they still have Firmino, Salah and uh, Mane up top. Like they still can do the business and attack if you give them chances. I, I think this is a it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Uh, against a team like Manchester United, who will let you have the ball and just rely on a moment of magic from Fernandes or or whoever on their on their squad. This team looked lifeless, right? There there was nothing to punch against because there's nothing there. Against Liverpool, you know what to punch against. You know how they're going to play, and you know that they're going to be they're going to be at you. But when they come at you, you also know that there's going to be space in behind. I think this is a much like Antonio Conte was for Pep. I think this is a matchup nightmare for that style of football um, because there isn't a whole lot of space side to side. There isn't a whole lot of space in behind, especially when you have N'Golo Conte playing. Just, I mean unbelievable football and you know I think the frustration got the better of them because they started playing they started playing these long balls they started going route one which I mean good lord when was the last time Liverpool went route one in anything I mean it, it has to be years now um they were just trying to figure out anything that worked and and that to me Dan is the sign that this against good opposition which Chelsea will be facing a lot of through the end of the year teams who are not afraid of the ball this is a really effective system and and could open up some things offensively just because. Well, so interesting point. So Jurgen Klopp is actually the manager that Tuchel has gone up head to head against the most in his career. Um, and of the record after this win, he's three, three, nine. So three wins, three draws and nine losses, uh, obviously against, <laughs> against Klopp's, uh, Dortmund team, which were maybe a little bit challenging to play against, uh, you know, it's just punching at a different weight back then. Uh, but, you know, he's won the last two. You know, it was a 2-1 group stage victory for Paris Saint-Germain over Liverpool. And then now this 1-0 uh, victory over Liverpool. And, you know, if anybody's going to be able to know what tricks are up a player, you know, an individual sleeve, this is the type of matchup you, you would hope to get, you know. And the fact that we are still at this point now, we've gone from 10th place to 4th place. We have conceded only two goals. And we have played teams like Liverpool, like that Atletico Madrid. And one of those goals was a Rudiger own goal. So really, we've only given up one goal this entire time. It's it's just so impressive. 
And, and I mean, it's it's doing it with players who are on the fringes. It was it's doing it without scoring a lot. It, it's doing it without maybe necessarily converting every wonderful chat chance that Timo Werner gets on the end. It's uh, having the VAR luck go against you uh, and Timo Werner just continuing his 2020 streak of not being lucky at all. Uh, you know, just in, in general, Brandon, I mean, it's everything is seems to be coalescing in a way that is, you know, allowed us to shoot up. And, and now we've got a reasonable run of fixtures ahead of us. I mean, Everton will be tricky, but then you kind of get into a stretch of matches where you should be able to try to separate now. Yeah, we, we can touch on that a little bit. But, you know, I was, I was looking through FB ref a little bit on this one. And it was only a couple weeks ago we are complaining that we had no, like, no shots, right? It was from, like, Zuma and Rudiger were the only, like, two shots that we had in a match. And now as we're starting to see, I think, the Tuchel effect kind of start to mold into the team. Timo Werner had three shots today. Mason Mount, three shots today. Akim Ziyech, two. Ben Chilwell, one. And Golakante even had one. And Cesar Aspilicueta had one. We're seeing, A, a higher volume of shots, and we're seeing more from our attacking players, which, again, are just signs that we're moving in the right direction. It was probably slower than a lot of us wanted, but what football fan isn't impatient? We want results now. We want everything at once. But Tuchel has brought stability to the team. And uh, a huge part of, at least going forward, recently has been Mason Mount. All right, Statman Dave ran and down his numbers by by uh, in this match against Liverpool. Eighty four percent pass accuracy, nineteen final third passes, seven ball recoveries, five passes into the box, three chances created, three shots, one on target, one big chance created, one interception, one tackle, and a goal. And he's just always motoring around up in that space, kind of involved in a lot of different things. You know, and you could say he's not playing in a typical position for him. You know, he's left winger today or left number 10 of the 210 system, however you want to do it. Um, but he, again, is just really cementing himself in there. Nick is like kind of the man that a lot of things revolve around for in the attacking third. It's almost as if, and I, you know, hear me out here. Um, it's almost as if he's a good footballer. <laughs> I, I, I know. Did you hear the commentators kind of go on and on about it? And if he were German and this and I, yeah, I actually think today it's not as if commentators are like overly negative towards Mason Mount. I don't, I don't think that's the case. It's almost as if today was like his coming out party in a lot of ways to people. um, He's arrived on the big stage who just, who just realized his quality. I mean, I I put out a Twitter poll earlier today and asked, and basically just said, ask yourself this question. Where would Chelsea be in the table without Mason Mount? Results incoming. Uh, top four, 4.7%. Five through seven, 34, 35%. Eighth through 10th in the table, 60.6%. These are people on Twitter. Uh, like, that's a massive amount of respect. And, and he deserves it. I mean, first of all, Dan, his shot was incredible. We've been waiting for him to put that away for some time. He's he's not had the best finishing year by his own standards, I would say. But, like, that's a, that's a clear indication that he's been working on it. And then second, the the runs that he made today were different than they have been in the past because there, there was room to make those runs. And when he got the ball, my confidence with him on the ball or in the box is 
just different than any other player on our squad right now. He's the one guy I think can make things happen. Yeah, he, moment of magic today, right? You know, I think the the whole team's heads went down a little bit after the Werner goal was chalked off sides. You know, definitely took us some time to uh, mount back into this match. But, you know, Mason was there to do it, right? You know, he was able to find that moment to to bring the ball down and to pull off a really great shot. I mean, watching it back, I always love the goal cam version of it, too, where you get to see the dive from Alisson. You're like, yeah, you were never getting that, man. That was never ever in the realm of you picking off that one and denying him. And, and look, I will just let, let people know now, you come at the pod account and you're tweeting, you know, anti-Mason Mount propaganda. I'm just going to retweet it and let the timeline have at you, man. I, I'm, I'm not defending anybody anymore. I, I've, I've held the receipts for far too long. They're going to go out there. They're going to go out there, Andre, because I, I just can't, I can't be bothered anymore. The Ma- Mason Mount hate goes too far because it, I, I don't know. I don't know what they want. Like, oh, the open field assist, you know, and missing out on that. Okay, but how many times has he, like, actually helped to win us a match? Like, today, it's a difference between one point and three points. Yeah, that's one of the weird things that happens to me about, like, young players that is so strange is that people don't realize that they're not their final form or they don't realize, like, the like what could they actually end up turning into or what could they do? And... It's always been the case with Mason Mount. Like you could see, and and yes, of course, you know, when he's, you know, Lampard is picking him a lot and you realize, you know, yes, he's a good presser and he takes a lot of shots. He's got a hell of a shot on him, but sometimes you think maybe he could make a better pass. Okay, but you have this really young talent who has these really two incredible skills that are pretty rare. And so the thing to do is kind of like hope that these things come good and hope that he adds more to his game, hope that he's able to utilize those skills in a more productive way for the team. And he's done that. And I think that Tuchel's really been important in figuring that out too. He knows what kind of like people kind of made the joke, like, oh, Mason Mouse going to go to the bench because, you know, Lampard isn't there to start him all the time. Nah, Tuchel knows what he's doing. He saw that kid and he saw his pressing skills. He saw his ability in the final third. And he was like, nah, we're going to put you in positions where you can do stuff just like what he did today. And like Dan said, like that shot is amazing. He hasn't had great finishing luck, but We've seen him shoot like that before. We know he can fit. And, I, and honestly, I want to see those. Like, test a goalkeeper from, that, from those angles. Test the goalkeeper from that far away. It opens things up. So I'm like, I love the kid. I think he's great. I always kind of wanted to hang back and just see what he turns, turned into. He's still only 22. <laughs> That's kind of absurd. And he just turned 22 in January. That's absurd for him to be doing what he's doing. And he still has a lot more that he can do and progress in. But, I mean, good Lord, you see, like, his game today, like, Brandon just read out the stats of what he's what he did against Liverpool. Unbelievable. I mean, an unbelievable player and perfect for a, for a German mastermind coach to use, right? <laughs> you want a kid who can press. You want a kid who has, who has those kind of, like, skills in the final third. I mean, I can't think of too many better players that they would really want playing in one of those positions uh, in a system like what Tuchel has. I, my favorite tweet about it was a uh, friend of the pod, Gary Hayes, with the Mason Mount is Tuchel's son. <laughs> he, yeah. he, any manager basically is going to adopt right. the kid. I was going to say the adoption papers have been signed. <laughs> Check. Uh, the another person. So we we you know Mount is definitely going to be like a lineup staple. I think you know there's still a lot of moving parts and some things and i'll probably get into this more in the next section but in Kante sliding in for kova 
So you've got Kovacic and Jorginho who have been the favored pair, but now N'Golo Kante is starting to get some more minutes and he shows he can be very comfortable in this system. N'Golo Kante had a very simple remit, I expect, today. Go fuck shit up. Mess it up for Liverpool and then give it to someone else to let them handle it. Also, uh, drop dimes. (laughs) That was probably a surprise for everyone on the Chelsea bench when they saw that as well. But N'Golo Kante having himself uh, a fantastic day out. Statman Dave again breaking it down. He had 11 ball recoveries, which is first of anyone on the pitch. He had four tackles that he won, which is second. Two interceptions was second. And he had an assist, which was first. A vintage performance a, a very vintage and rare uh version of this of this french wine that we get to, to drink up which is N'Golo Kante. uh I, I think again this kind of plays into the system but not completely dan but N'Golo Kante sure still has a lot to offer this team uh yes all right nailed it I, anyways i i, I, I look <laughs> sometimes you get a perfect take and that was it yes N'Golo Kante was amazing in this game uh, absorbed a, a ton of pressure, made it really difficult for any of the attackers to find goodness. I, I mean, it felt like there was two of them out here there again today. It, it felt like he, you know, done the the body split, and they were just. I, I mean, Jorginho was unfazed in this match, and Liverpool. I mean, Liverpool did not make it easy either. I mean, I, credit to them for pressing as hard and as long as they did because there was little or limited time for the majority of the game for most players on on our team to actually have and and retain possession of the ball. Like, so there was a lot of quick action. There was a lot of need for uh, quick, you know, quick disposition or dispossession of the other players. And ultimately I think Conte was just there in, in every critical moment. Uh, Andre, I think it was generally like, this was, you know, what you hope to see and I don't know if you have to rest them every other game, maybe at this point to try to make sure we get the most out of them, kind of pick the moments and pick the places to get him, get him acclimatized again. But ultimately, like if we can get this one out of every two games, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that's kind of always been my thing with him is he's such a, a great player, but he will never like when he's on the pitch, he has no chill. He's going to <laughs> destroy midfields because that's what he does. He's going to chase passing lanes. He's going to be all over the pitch because that's just what he does. And I think that, you know, some managers in the past put him on because basically he was their defensive, he was their defensive scheme. And I think that was a little unfair to him. I think you still have, you can have to, you have to fit him in, especially as he ages. You know, we've seen him have a few, you know, injuries that have kept him out for a few games. You know, he's missed like, you know, a couple months at times when he has these kind of nagging injuries and it's hard for him to recover from. So I do think that they have to be careful with him and kind of protect him because when he's on the pitch, this is what he can do. And you, you know, if he has to take a game off from time to time, that's okay. Because what you get when you want it is a performance like this. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm delighted that he had this kind of game. I know he always has them. And he seems to really love playing against Liverpool too. You remember that goal he scored against Liverpool, which was just ridiculous. We were there, we were there <laughs> yeah. for that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was absurd. I was just like, "Why didn't you just do that?" You, that's not what you do. But I love that you did it. Um, so yeah, like I just, I love it. Sometimes I think it's hard to explain everything that he's good at, especially just like reading play, following him, tracking him on the field, just to know how he affects the opposition. He just is such a pest to play against. And 
I like the only thing I end up tweeting is just N'Golo Kante appreciation tweet because he's doing everything and you see the def- the opposition is just terrified of him. They know that when they release this ball, there's a good chance that he's going to get to it or <laughs> possession is going to be taken somehow. He's going to get his boot to it. And it just completely demoralizes another team. His his skill, he has so many more skills than just destroying things. You know, he is a destroyer by nature, yes. right? Um, but he yes. is so skillful. The, the pass he played out today was incredible. We've seen him score some pretty awesome goals, although limited goals in his Chelsea career. Uh, he's a talented footballer, and he's a com- he is a complete footballer. I, I will not hear words uh, otherwise. Uh, he's I'm, I'm biased as hell, so you know, at me if you want. But he's my favorite player. So if you at Nick, please at me too, because I will defend with my life. Uh, Kante. <laughs> he's one of the rare players that I will actually like go to prison for. So just uh, know what you're getting into when you at us. And that's, this is the uh, did we just become best friends moment on the yeah. podcast right now. It just happened. Andre right and Nick now best friends. Right. Uh, all all over Angola Kante. Love it. Um, Part of that is that Tuchel's holding a very high level and standard. Did you guys hear Tuchel's post-match like press conference? So well, the woman from the Premier League Productions kind of asked him about Timo Werner, and he went off and he was like, Timo's fine. He goes, we don't have self-pity. He's like, he lives a privileged life, plays <laughs> football for a living, plays for one of the biggest teams in the world. Like, he's fine. My expectation is that he brings 100% in training, and it's our job to get the best out of him. And I was like, damn, Tuchel has no chill. You think when? you think he's going to listen to N'Golo Kante go, but Tuchel, I can't shoot. Wrong. You're going to go shoot. Like, When, when did Tuchel everyone. become my mom? Uh, that's oh the, that's what I want to know. Like, I, it, was, it, it felt like a parental, like, get up, dust off. Let's go. Like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. So kind of with that being said at a, at a bigger scale, another thing that I took from this press conference is that Tuchel's chill. He just beat Liverpool at Anfield. And he's just sitting there. He's chill. Like, all right, yeah. He's like, look, we got 11 matches left. By the way, I can't believe we only have 11 matches left in the season. That was a that knee jerker. Um, and he's like, look, yeah, it's the Premier League. It's, it's tough. You can't let up for one second. You play every three, four days. It's, it's normal. That's what we do. And just the fact that he's kind of like, I've been here before, gave me a ton of kind of like reassurance and, and like feeling good about it. And then as I think back to the game, our defensive shape, we even heard the announcing crew uh, on NBC just talk about it over and over is that Chelsea spacing was phenomenal. Our compact, our ability to be compact, stay connected. This is something that we struggled under Frank, just the spacing and the movement together just wasn't really there. And Tuchel's come in and clearly drilled this team into knowing exactly where they need to be, exactly who goes where, exactly when to step and when to sit. And I just felt like this was something that we're getting out of an experienced manager, knowing how to set up a team to be hard to break down. We're going to be really hard to beat um, at at times, sacrificing our ability to go forward and score goals and create. But he knows and experience locking up the defense over the long run will serve us much better than the opposite. So, um, look, a lot of love for Christensen today. Hard not to. I can appreciate that. And always been his biggest fan. But when you play like that, you know, again, he's not asking to do a lot. But the amount that he's being able to, or that he's been able to do with his head on a swivel, Andre, for me, 
the best thing I've seen out of Andres Christensen in this run while Tiago Silva's been out is his positioning. He's not vocal. He's not a tough tackler. But typically, he's an extremely smart footballer that knows where he needs to be wherever Rudiger and Aspie are on either side of him. And we saw it today. He dropped in deep, cut out some crosses, stepped up when he had to try to cut out some passes. And again, credit where credit's due, even if it is difficult for me to say that. <laughs> no, I saw the hesitation in your face and the, and the pain that caused. So I, I'm, I understand and I'm, and I, and I'm, I'm, I, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to get through it together. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it's an interesting one with him. And I think that, you know, you mentioning his, you know, center back partners, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, the organization of the defense. And sometimes you, you know, we are sacrificing creating opportunities up the pitch to make sure that we're defensively sound. I think when you make Andreas Christensen's job easy, he's really up to the challenge because he then gets to sit back, read, play and react. And he's really good. Like you said, he's smart. He knows what what's going to develop and where he needs to be to get in the way. It's when he has to be like physical and it's when, you know, players dribble at him, come at him, you know, when he's having to change position and, and chase somebody or recover or do something like that, that he really doesn't, he, he struggles a bit. Even sometimes on corners, you see him uh, get muscled out and that's unfortunate to see. But, you know, when you, when his position is more clearly defined and he's able to kind of sit there and survey and get engaged when he knows he's got a, a really good chance of winning the ball. Then he's really good at it. I think you you put in the in the rundown here um, his his percentage of duels won. You know against Manchester United he was a hundred percent against Liverpool seventy five percent. And it's really because he's able to choose his spots and get involved when he knows he's going to be able to make a difference. And I, it's like you said, credit where credit's due. I, I said earlier I didn't see this version of Christensen coming back or in a Chelsea shirt at all. But we're kind of seeing it, you know. Like I said, small sample size, but we saw it today. And 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 against Liverpool, that's that's kind of a good time to show it. There was the block he had on when when Mane was through and Mendy had to come up. That I think was was the perfect example of just where he knows how to read the game. Yeah. And the the point that actually uh, the the quote uh, the tweet came from Naz, but hi that he also clocked the highest top speed in both matches against the United side and the Liverpool side. Also very shocking because I think of the perception, you don't think of Andreas Christensen as a fast player on that run versus Mane. He found some burner somewhere. I don't know if he, he like the, hit the NOS button. He was watching Fast and the Furious or something. He's like, I can do that with my feet. Um, and just pulled out a really, really, really sharp save uh, and clearance to to get Edouard out of trouble. So, you know, I, I think it was just it was great. I, I was really excited to see this for him. And, and he's made to do this in a central position to back three. The real question, I think, Nick, is going to be if Tuchel next season goes to a back four. What does that mean for Christensen? Because I think right now he's playing himself into a contract extension um, very easily. I mean, Dan, as you know. Chelsea's a family, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to really, I had to go deep for that one. Uh, I, uh, it's the, it's the wildest uh, this season with different players in and out of favor. It's been so wild. I mean, he was last on the center back depth chart for most of the year. You remember back to the first Liverpool game, got sent off in the first half because he couldn't deal with Mane. Uh, look, he's. 
he's not a great one-on-one defender. That's never been his game. Like even under Conte back in back in 16, 17, 17, 18, like th- this was not his purview, you know, the the one-on-one defending. But in a, you know, in a more of a zone defense, uh if if you're a basketball fan, he's great because he occupies space well and he's able to he's able to read the game pretty well and he has complementary pieces around him with different skill sets uh, that that do a really good job, and you know he's to think that he was potentially going to be sold this summer, and that everyone was worried about like another De Bruyne or Salah situation. Like, are we letting a young, promising person go? But does he really fit here? Like, do we like what's the deal? And and now it's like, you know, the next question on our running list, Brandon, like. It's it's a crazy thing to think about. No, I'm not even going to go to that yet. Uh, Christensen, <laughs> he's he's a month out from turning 25. He's kind of like got that John McCullough effect wow. where you're like, wait, you're still only 27? You've been around forever. But he has been around forever. He's been around since, you know, he's super young. And today is a day where you can see... We didn't need him aerially, really. We didn't need him to be physical. Holy shit, was he so good on the ball. The amount of passes that people put him in situations where he's in the middle of the field at the top of our box and he has two defenders running at him and he just has to split the Red Sea a little bit and then play a pass. And I'm sitting here going, why the fuck are we playing out of the back like this? But Oh, it drives me crazy, dude. With anyone else... (laughs) We probably gift Liverpool three goals. I, I the like the amount of times he bailed us out in tight spaces, I was so impressed. Uh, we that played into his strengths today. Today was like we put Christensen in his strengths. Liverpool played into his strengths. You know he didn't have a big annoying forward to deal with. He didn't have to worry about the pace today because we were sitting in tighter. We didn't put him one on one with Mane, and it just worked so much better. To Nick's earlier lead-in, the knock-on effect, potentially, what does this have to do with Silva? Mike Heinenen, which I love your last name, I probably butchered it and I'm sorry, said, does Silva get a spot back in the back line once he's back from injury? Of course he does. Yeah? You think of course so? he does, right? Like, tell me I'm crazy, Andre. I don't think you're crazy. I think the one thing that could Here's the be butt. a deciding factor... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think the one thing that could be the de- deciding factor, though, is what you were just talking about, how he can handle receiving those passes and passing out of the back. Silva's all right, but when he's like under that kind of pressure, I don't think he has the athleticism to do all that anymore. Um, and that's a little bit like I think you have to give the edge in that one area to Christensen, especially seeing him you know, do it, especially against a team like Liverpool. But I'm kind of with you. I think it would be a little bit... A little bit much once Silva is one. I think they can take their time with Silva. <laughs> I think the way Christensen is playing, you don't need him to rush back. But I do think that once he's 100% and ready to get back in the back line, he should be there. Dan, what if Christensen replaced Rudiger and Silva slotted back in? Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I just I think that Tuchel really loves Rudiger, and I just don't yep. see it happening. I also don't see him playing over Aspi on, on the right either. I think... Christensen is, if you were designing someone to play in the center 
of that. And you was like the it's the allegory of the cave, right? Like if you had to draw draw it up yourself, like who is this perfect center back that you could create for a middle a middle three? Um, he would probably be very close to to what you're designing, uh, you know, in the darkness. And look, I think um, I think Silva probably ends up going back in ahead, but I think it's it's close. I think it is now a legitimate question for Tuchel to have to answer. But you also think about the fact we will have plenty of games left to play this season. We are in the Champions League still and and in the driver's seat. Why not us, Nick? We are in the FA Cup. We are have 11, basically, finals. I, I think I view them as 11 finals in the Premier League right now because every one of those games is a must-win. That'd be exhausting. Hey, you get so jacked. They live a privileged life. I'm just <laughs> saying. Like, the gaffer you, said it. The gaffer said it. It's a privileged life. They get to play football. They get to play for Chelsea. It's 11 finals to you make don't sure want that, that we're in the top four. I was going to say, please don't let don't, – don't, I hope Tuchel's not telling the players that. Jesus. <laughs> like the amount, of, the amount of adrenaline emotion <laughs> that goes into a final. You're like, Dude, oh, God, we did it. Oh, I, we got to do it again? Oh, jeez. I want them to bring out a medal number four and, and like it's a trophy when they when they go into Wembley every game at home. Just be like, boys, we're playing for it today. We got it. Uh, I, I will say this. Small thing on Christensen v. Silva. Uh, Silva is a better long pass for the ball than Christensen is. I don't know why that is because I feel like that's something Christensen should do better than he does. Uh, if he ever developed that skill from that role and was able to play an over-the-top ball to Werner, he'd be irreplaceable. Uh, but I think Silva has that that in his bag and and could be a key to unlocking some of those passes, especially if if Silva's the one to receive it, step up, ping. You know, I think that's the, the thing I'm thinking about. All right. Well, um, I think we should go ahead and wrap on the men's match. We still have the women's to come. But before we get into that, Dan of the match – as we are legally required to do. I don't know if we're legally required, but I would take it personally if we don't want them anymore. Um, look, uh, I think you, know, you could say it's the entire team uh, because, look, you win in Anfield for the first time since 2014. I- I'm okay with that. People people were like, you should just not even run it. It should be the entire team. But you know what? People like polls, so I ran one anyway. Um, Christensen with 47%. Uh, I think he was also the official man in the match. Mason Mount, uh, next closest with the 39%. Golo Conte with 13%. And the other with a measly 1%. Couldn't even get above the one. I actually had to round it up. Yeah, but that's how, that's how it all shook out. A little harsh on Conte, I have to say. A little, little he, harsh. He hurts himself. We, we know that, right? Again, He's, he sets a standard. He sets yeah. a standard. The N'Golo Conte standard is much higher for you know than the average player. Yeah. Which, which okay. is true. Um, so some of the results that have gone down this week since matches have been going on since Monday for this game week window, <laughs> you know, milk the TV milk in this pandemic, everything they can. Uh, every team beat Southampton one nothing on Monday, Tuesday, Man City smoked Wolves four to one. Uh, Wednesday, Burnley won, Leicester won. So again, teams around us dropping points. Sheffield United beating Aston Villa one nothing. And Palace coming up with a big draw against United, nil-nil. 
Uh, and it was good going into the day. So, weirdly enough, all three away teams winning. Fulham losing to Spurs 1-0. West Brom losing to Everton 1-0. Then, obviously, Liverpool losing to us 1-0. So, what that means is Man City are still going to win the title on 65 points. First place. Man United, though, second place. They are now, after being in great form, have only one one of their last five matches, drawing the other four. Uh, so they have hit a rough patch. Leicester City being on great form in third. They're down to f- they're at 50 points, having only won two of their last five. Chelsea, on the form table, are actually pretty much tied for... No, we're second behind Man City, undefeated in their last five, winning three of the last five with a couple of draws, in fourth on 47 points. For, so for now, just four points between us and Man United, uh, but they do have a plus 21 goal difference to our plus 17, something to think about. Everton In, in 12 more matches, though, we may have a better goal differential than them. So if we keep well winning these 1-0s, we're going to be in like Flint. Very true. Um, that would also be a absolute grind to the end of the season. Uh, Everton fifth with a game at hand on 46 points. West Ham in sixth and the game at hand on 45 points. Uh, Liverpool in seventh. Tottenham eighth. Uh, Arsenal tenth. <laughs> and then the relegation fund. Sheffield United still in 20th, but they won one of their last five, so they're up to 14 points. West Brom 19th place on 17 points. And Fulham, 18th points, 18th place on 23 points. Newcastle are in 26th. So are Brighton on 26th. So it's uh, it, that black hole could suck a couple more teams down. We might see Come what on, happens Fulham. there. <laughs> so there's a little bit going on. So, anyways, uh, they got screwed. They got screwed yesterday too. VAR did them dirty. By the way, VAR. Just a quick note. What are you doing? Don't tell N'Golo Kante's handball that. No. What, what are you doing in both cases? It's yeah. it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Just get it right all the time. Just Ruining stop, the stop game. Stop being wrong and equalizing through your wrongness. <laughs> it, okay. I think we could leave it there. I think that's, that's pretty short and sweet. Um, as promised, before we wrap this up, we have the Chelsea women's match. In case you're oblivious... Chelsea women played Atletico Madrid as well in the Champions League. Uh, this was the first leg. Andre, I'm told just to hand it over to you at this point. Give us the synopsis, the scoreline, the drama. What the hell happened? This was wild if you somehow missed it. Yeah, so uh, my whole thing has been telling people, like, please watch this team. As, as many as many chances as you can get, this team is rare. This team is incredible. Emma Hayes is a fantastic manager. She's a fantastic coach. Honestly, this team should, and I'll get to the game in a second, but this team shouldn't, it's full of talent, but it shouldn't be as fluid as it is because you have a whole lot of players who basically play the same position. <laughs> and she's making it work because she is brilliant. So... <laughs> Basically, going into this Champions League match, it was kind of a tough draw. You know, Manchester City had a pretty easy draw. Uh, I think Lyon had a pretty pretty easy draw, even though they only eked out a 2-0 win, um, even though they had all 11 players (laughs) for all. Barcelona had a pretty easy draw. So, like, those are the top teams, you know, that Chelsea has to watch out for in the Champions League. So getting Atletico Madrid, who were fourth in um, in the Spanish Women's League table, 
pretty pretty difficult draw to be honest. Um, you still expected Chelsea to win, but you didn't expect an absurd, you know, two-legged scoreline. You know, like you know, aggregate score of like eight nil or you know nine one or something like that, which is what they did to Benfica in the last round. Um, what Chelsea did to Benfica in the last round, but this match started off with Chelsea having to replace one of their center backs, uh, Magda Eriksson, who is our prime, one of our primary center back, central um, partners, central defensive pairings. Uh, she's usually next to Millie Bright, uh, and, and Magda Eriksson is always the captain. So Millie Bright took the captain's armband, and Sophie Engel, who plays center back for her uh, club, for her country, uh, Wales, she plays center back there. She stepped in behind uh, to, to pair with Millie Bright. That lasted about 12 minutes because Sophie Engel got a red card. You know, she got caught behind. She tried to make up a run. She tried to get around the player to kind of poke the ball away. But in trying to, like, move herself from one side of the player to the other, she clipped her leg, and there was no, there was really no arguing about it. It was down. The player was in a goal-scoring position, and it was direct to the goalkeeper, so she had to get the red card, too. And that sucked because I can tell you, like, watching that match, I would say about five minutes in, Chelsea could have been two or three nil up. They created a chance right off the kickoff. They did. They ran a hilarious. It, it was almost like uh, it was almost like a Ted Lasso play. <laughs> and, and no spoilers, but you, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Is they basically overloaded the right side and just let Millie Bright boot the ball into the right side of the box, and they were able to win the header and get it down for a shot from Pernell Harder that just bounced wide of the post. It was kind of ridiculous uh, to watch a team do that successfully, but this this team is absurd. So they were in a hole, seriously, in this match, not scoring the goal and getting the red card and losing a player and having to face a penalty. The goalkeeper, Ann Katchenberger, who's German, she saved that penalty, which was really, if you, you should look up the, the account. Look up Chelsea's account because they reposted it. Every goalkeeper does this, to, or most goalkeepers do this, to try to to try to get some advantage in that situation because it's so difficult to do. But Berger takes a hard step to her left just before uh, Dana Castellanos, who's an Atletico Madrid player, actually used to be a Florida State player, went straight over there from Florida State. Mm. But um, she stepped up to take the penalty, and right when she kind of thought she was in the process of reading Berger. Berger takes that hard step to the left, but then dives the other way, and she completely fooled Castellanos. Castellanos rolled the ball right into her, and Berger makes the save. It was really cool to see. And then, you know, so they go into halftime, nil-nil, and Chelsea's really thinking, you know, even though it's a home match, you're down a, you know, you're down a player, you really just kind of want to not have to make up goals in the second leg. Even though this team can pretty easily, you just don't really want to go there because you don't know if you're going to be able to. If they just kind of, you know, do that thing where they defend and try to keep you out, you can have some poor finishing and then you're out of the Champions League. And this team really is constructed to go far in the Champions League. And I'd say, you know, this year and next, they really want to win it. So that wasn't really an option. Luckily, in the second half, they have some some great plays. Sam Kerr ends up with the ball in the box. Uh, she gets taken out by a, by an Atletico Madrid defender, and we get a penalty, which was great. And, of course, Mary Mielda puts it – she actually puts it the, – the goalkeeper guesses right, but she hit it so hard that there was no saving it. I mean, it was basically Cole-esque. I mean, it she, was right in the she, side netting. Yeah, she, tr- she crushed it. It was a great penalty, and I'm like – Maybe Castellanos needs to take a little bit of a note about that. You know, even if you send the, even if the keeper goes the right way, you can still score and should. 
But uh, yeah, um, Marimelda got that goal. And then six minutes later, Fran Kirby, she actually scores the goal from the second, from, from the move that happened after the most impressive move of the match. That probably sounded weird, but I'll explain. Uh, Fran Kirby is, has been in ridiculous form. And I can talk about Fran Kirby for a half hour, but I will, I will spare that. I have a podcast <laughs> that you guys can listen to if you want to hear me talk about Fran Kirby for a half hour. But basically, she had this crazy run where she got the ball wide right, like in midfield, around the center, uh, around the midfield, um, center circle. And she kind of just moves the ball in and out of defenders. And her thing is kind of getting across the goalkeeper and tapping it into the far post. And she did something like that. She kind of weaved her way all the way through midfield. It was a hell of a run. You should really look at that, too. I think the Chelsea account posted both of these moves from her because the whole sequence was amazing. And it just hits the post and comes out. And it was so frustrating because that was one of those moves that deserved a goal. Like, sometimes things deserve goals. And that was one of those things that, like, it should have been 2-0 after that. But it was fine. Sam Kerr got the ball. Rolled it over to to uh, Fran Kirby, who first times it into the other side. She went to the other post, seeing if it would be kinder, and it was. Smacked off that post, went into the back of the net. And so Chelsea, 12 minutes into a Champions League match, against a pretty difficult tie with Atletico Madrid, goes down a player in the 12th minute and ends up winning the tie, or not the tie, but at least that leg, 2-0. I don't know of too many teams that can do that. And it just kind of shows you, like, Emma Hayes needed, knew that we needed to score goals. And her whole thing was, get to halftime nil-nil. Let's make sure that when we come out, we have an attacking plan. Even though we're, we're a player down, we can still get at them. And it's not like, like, I, I wish we had all the stats available uh, for women's games, but sometimes we just don't. It's not like we defended and counterpressed. It's not. We we Dominated. constructed attacks. Yes, we. Di- it did not look like. I think if you ask Atletico Madrid's players, you know, get, get the whole like true serum interrogation room set up, <laughs> and you ask them, did it feel like you played eighty plus minutes, you know, including stoppage time against a, a team with a player down? They would say absolutely not. It probably seemed like they had twelve or thirteen out there. I, I just I'm continually impressed by just how versatile, and, and you call this out. And I think it's a really sharp point, and just the way that these attacking players like they have Pernell Harder on the pitch and Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby like you really would imagine that they shouldn't work as much but the amount of running that Kerr and Kirby did it, you mm-hmm. know really well I felt like Harder kind of pulled pulled a lot of the strings they were up and down that pitch so much so yes. much and like that's the stat I want I want distance covered because <laughs> you'd be so impressed I think by like we, 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 we all watched it, right? You would like talk back to people about like, hey, they covered a ton of ground in this match to make those two goals happen. Um, but we don't have the stat to back it up. But I will tell you the eye test, the Nick Verlaney patented eye test would tell you <laughs> they ran a whole damn lot to execute on. The NPET? Yes. Yeah, uh, the NPET. <laughs> the NPET is the, is the new standard. Um, Joe Tweets patented my own patented thing. Um, uh, no, I, I, will, I will say this. As you mentioned before, and I'm going to pass to Brandon to close on the goalkeeper because I know he's been chomping at at the bit. This team full of superstars is egoless. It's it it reminds you of the San Antonio Spurs, <laughs> like 
you know, you, you could have all world Tony Parker. You could have Manu Ginobili. You could have Tim Duncan in his prime. You could have all these guys. And the only thing that matters is that they play like a team and pass the ball. And Sam Kerr in any other league on any other team would be the sole focal point. Like that, that would be it. You bring Sam Kerr on not to be a part of the passing attack. Like that's not the way that should work. Typically she's been the focal point everywhere, but there are times where she has to play second fiddle to Frank Kirby or to Beth England or to Pernilla Harder or to whatever. It does, like she's just one of 11. Uh, it is, it's insane. It, it really is insane. And that is an Emma Hayes absolute masterclass. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think for me, that's been the, the biggest thing is that they've, all the players have trusted Emma Hayes to sit, to know that like, she's going to get it right. She's going to make sure that they can all star and that they can all get there, you know, play their games. Of course, they may not star like they were the lone star, like you said, on on their own teams. But together, they're going to be able to do amazing things. And sometimes they're going to need Pernell Hard to do exactly what she does. You know, score from outside the box in kind of like that 18 to 20 yard area. Essentially, she's going to need her to do that. You're going to need Fran Kirby's wing play. You're going to need, you know, Bethany England playing as a traditional number nine, you know, getting goals. You're going to need Sam Kerr, you know, making those runs in the box and getting on the end of crosses. Like you're going to need all of those things. And she's able to have the team play together and know that their opportunities are going to come and that they don't need to really have, like like you said, that ego to play. It was just it's just amazing. And, and, you know, she has had to go through a couple tactical lineup changes to get to this point. But she's figured it out. You know, when we play against competition who, you know, we should have an easier job of dominating. She does this like four, one, three, two formation. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's nasty. <laughs> like you should, if, if we, you know, when we play, you know, not Manchester city, you're like a, a top club with a, you know, that we really need to like have an additional midfielder. Definitely watch when they do that four, one, three, two nonsense, because that's just crazy. Other times it's a four, two, three, one. And you see so much interchanging between those three. Sometimes Fran Kirby pops up on centrally. Sometimes she's left. Sometimes Pernilla Harder is on the right. Sometimes Sam Kerr is playing like in a left wing position. They interchange so much. It's just a nightmare. And so like, yeah. And and actually, you know what? I did all that talking about the match and I completely forgot. Berger saved a second penalty in the second half to preserve the shutout. (laughs) So like, just like, okay, just the rundown because I talked a lot. Best Best center back and your captain is injured. You play 80 minutes with 10 players. You give away two penalties, but you keep a clean sheet and you win the match 2-0. I don't even know. Like, just watch this team, please. I, if I if would someone so- pulled off a bet of that and that all right? the bet, that, that would have paid out. I, I don't know. It would have been like buying Bitcoin when it first started. <laughs> like, you just, you would, or master, mastermind. <laughs> also, my dog, M-Dog. Uh, yes. There, there was a, a quote that uh, basically, like, Halfway through the mat, or halfway through the first half, when things were like kind of weird, obviously being down in a person, Emma Hayes looked at her, and all she did was point to her head, and she's like, "Yeah, I think we're gonna be okay. <laughs> I think we're gonna be fine." Like, turns out there are leaders all over the pitch. Uh, one of those leaders, Brandon, uh, to allow you a goalkeepers union uh, card carrying member a a yes. chance to wax poetic about another. Uh, thoughts and feelings on the two penalty save. Absolute incredible performance by AKB, the notorious. Yeah. Well, look, Chelsea women just signed a new goalkeeper as well. 
Uh, Zatira Musevic, uh, considered one of the best up and coming Swedish national team goalkeepers. Uh, so I think we remember what I think it was against Man City or Arsenal, where like AKB was coming out, was like making weird clearances, was way outside of her box, a little shaky, made some mistakes, and you're just like, oh, all right, we'll see how it goes. You know, but it seems like she's really settled and rose to the occasion of like, hey, my job isn't a given. Like, I got to step it up and, and, and deal with it. Um, anytime you can save a penalty, great day out at, at work. <laughs> great day at the office. Anytime you can save two penalties, like, hey, drinks on you. No biggie. I got this. Uh, fantastic from her today. Uh, it, it, it is really great to see. I just laughed too. You, you talk about the lineup, Andre. It's like you had to put Pernilla harder in the midfield to make this thing work today. And you're like, wait, yeah. wasn't she like <laughs> world player of the year almost as like an attacker? And you're like, okay, well, I guess we can just do whatever we want with this group. And that is huge, huge credit uh, to the gaffer, to Emma Hayes, who has gotten this team to buy in to whatever the hell she says. And all these players will play whatever role they need because they will go to absolute ends of the earth for Emma because she has explained what they will accomplish if they buy in. And they it, she clearly has full, full buy-in from everyone. The, the subs that she can bring on, uh, the depth they have, the selflessness this team plays with, it is... It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, can, can we talk about result. the huge result that the gangster move of just having your hands behind your back for penalties from Burger? <laughs> I, f- I, I loved that. it. <laughs> I loved. It. I thought it was so cool. Like you, you always see the. You know, remember Joe Hart like knocking the top of the thing, trying to cause a ruckus, <laughs> yeah. and then he'd always miss or get or get penanked by Pirlo or whatever. <laughs> she she just stood there like, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. What are you gonna? <laughs> I mean, look. Not everybody makes it to the, uh, you know, 65th minute, 70th minute of our podcast. And we do one this long. Um, I will. It is a evergreen tweet in my mind. But the Chelsea women team are Chelsea's best team. Like it full stop. Like we absolutely like we just wax poetic about Tuchel and Liverpool. And look, we, we are not Man City level, right? Like Man City is the best team in the Premier League. One of the best men's team in the world right now. Chelsea women are just so far above and beyond and you are doing yourself like if you listen to this this far great fantastic if you're not watching the women play and you listen to this far you're doing yourself a disservice because you're missing out on the best football that is coming out of our club at the moment watching them is far more fun than listening to us talk about them that, so that's that too <laughs> do go watch them and then and then revel post-match the other wild thing, just like just because I could talk about this team forever, I know the podcast is going long, but I just want people like just to drive the point home a little bit. The players that Chelsea took off the bench in this match to come in, like these are play, these are the top players, probably top twenty players in the world. I mean, these players are ridiculous, and like you said, it, it, well, depending on some, some of them are a bit too young to be in the top twenty, but still, these are very talented players. But you look like Neve Charles. She's an absurd talent. She's so young, but she's absurd. She Look up Neve Charles in Manchester City. She scored a ridiculous goal versus Manchester City uh, in a cup match uh, this season. I think it was just last month. Uh, Guru Wrighton, who was a her first, uh, her first uh, season with Chelsea was last season, and she hit, like, I think, eight assists. I mean, she, she was she, her left foot is absurd. She can drop it into a Dixie Cup from, like, 80 yards out. She is an absurd talent. And Aaron Cuthbert is just, she's all over the place. She's a machine. There is no, one of our like, faves. 
Yeah, yeah. like people always ask me for, for male comps, and I'm like, no, nah, that's not really the way to look at women's players because some of these players do so many more things than you can, than like men, men player, male players can do. And Aaron Cuthbert is one of those players. She can be a white right winger. She can be a box-to-box midfielder. She can be sometimes even a defensive midfielder. She is an absurd player and has some amazing goals too when she shoots. Like this team is great. Like again, I, I reiterate, and obviously I am biased because I have a Chelsea Women's podcast, but please watch the team. Look, you don't have to uh, complain about being biased here. We have a very strong, thriving Chelsea women uh, thread in our Discord. Damn, they are on fire during these matches. It is absolutely great. Um, hmm, they share some hilarious content. So, look, if if you need some some place to go, Andre's got the podcast. We've got the Discord. Uh, Chelsea women coverage is out there. All right, there's no excuse not to be up to date on this team. Kudos to the club who promote the hell out of them at Chelsea FCW are their social media handles. Um, and the at Chelsea FC handle promotes it too, but, uh, we're not kidding. All right. This team is damn good. They are so legit. Go, uh, if you haven't had the opportunity, treat yourself, treat yourself some highlights. You will not be disappointed, but Hey, Andre, that's going to wrap us up, man. Thank you so much for joining us on your inaugural appearance on the London's blue podcast. We appreciate that again. He does his own podcast. He's on, we ain't got no history, right? But it's the, uh, the uh, Diaspora United pod. He's got the Fran Kirby FC pod. He's busy. Go check him out. Links in the description, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much for the time this evening. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was really fun. Hey, guess what? I think we're probably going to do it again. We enjoyed it. Nick and Dan, gentlemen, thank you as well as always. Listeners, you're the best part about this. Let us not sit and wait until a boring Monday match against Everton. Let us rejoice in this win over the weekend. Social media is the best way to get a hold of us or through our Discord server on Patreon. But hey, that's going to wrap us up. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.